this week on Hope for the Broken. The truth of the matter is, is that regardless of whether or not your family desires to be rooted in the Word of God or not, you will face the same storms of life that everyone faces. That's because we live in a broken world. And broken things happen in a broken world. See, because when you face those trials, if your family is firmly rooted in the solid principles upon the rock of Jesus Christ, your home will endure even the harshest storms of life. Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. This week, we celebrate Mother's Day as we continue our series called Greater Than. Here's our pastor, Chris Wigley, with part four titled... Greater Than Family Challenges. Well, today is Mother's Day, and we want to say a very special uh, Mother's Day. uh, Happy Mother's Day to you this morning. I don't know about you, but uh, one day is not enough to celebrate all that our moms do. I know I'm certainly grateful for my mom. I'm certainly grateful for Kathy, who has been uh, the best mom uh, in the world, Uh, not to offend you other moms that are in the room, Uh, but we are thrilled that you are here. And so we want to celebrate you this morning. So ladies, if you are a mother in this room, would you just stand so that we can recognize you and celebrate you here today? Aren't you grateful for these ladies? Still, still remain standing for just a moment. Uh, I just want you to know, I want to speak to you for just, just a second. I want you to know how much you are loved, how much you mean uh, to our families, how much you mean to this very church. And it is right that we celebrate you on Mother's Day. Uh, in a world that, that chooses to say and ignore sometimes life, uh, we want you to know that we have life not only because of you, but we have life in and through you because of what you've invested in us. And so on behalf of all the men here in this room, we say thank you and we celebrate you here today. Thanks again. Let's celebrate them one more time. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. You know, Mother's Day is also one of those bittersweet days uh, because I know that certainly in this room there are those that uh, are missing their mother because their mother has gone to be with the Lord Jesus. And perhaps there's even some mothers here in the room that are missing their children for the very same reason. Their children has gone to be with Jesus. And uh, I can just tell you this, I believe that Scripture uh, teaches that there will be a reunion one day and glory, uh, that we will recognize one another and that we will embrace one another and there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more hurt because it will all be gone. Um, I also know that there are other ladies here in the room and in the life of our church that uh, desire to be moms and are having a difficult time being a mother. Uh, and I just want you to know that if you fit any of those categories, I want you to know that you are prayed for today. Our team gathered together before the services here this morning, and we prayed specifically for those folks. And I just want you to know that you are loved and you are appreciated, and we stand behind you and support you in all ways. In fact, let me just pray now for us. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we love you. We thank you for an opportunity to celebrate our moms. 
ladies that have had profound impacts in our lives that we are eternally grateful for. Father, I pray your blessings to be upon those that are mothers. Uh, God, I pray for those that even today are hurting because they're missing their mom or or mothers that are missing their children on a day like today. I just pray, God, for your, your presence to provide a peace that passes all understanding and encouragement to their soul. Father, for those women that are praying and beseeching the throne room of heaven to be moms, Lord, we pray for uh, your blessing there, that you would bless them, Lord, in, in whatever way that you choose, that you would open up doors for them, that you would be with them in their pursuit to, to be a mom and to obey the command to be fruitful and multiply. Lord, I pray your blessings now upon us as we study your word, and we pray this all in the powerful and the wonderful name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you for allowing me to honor and recognize our moms this morning. We are in the middle of a teaching series that we have entitled Greater Than. And we've looked at several different life circumstances that seem to be common to all of us. And the fact that Jesus is greater than whatever it is that, that you may face, whether you are currently facing that challenge, that obstacle, or it's to come, uh, Jesus is greater than whatever we may face. And today we come to the subject of Jesus is greater than our family matters, or Jesus is greater than our family challenges. You know, we live in a world where there are many things that seem to challenge and even threaten the family unit. It seems to be increasingly difficult to raise godly children in this day and age. Our jobs are often demanding of our time. Cultural influence is mounting. Friends that they make are distracting. Divorce runs rampant. Events and schedules in our lives and even non-biblical worldview all seem to take aim at the family unit. And the thing that we discover even from the very beginning of time is that the family unit is the foundation of society. It is the very thing in which society is built God ordained and instituted the family unit, and therefore it is an attack from the enemy to attack the family unit. And today in time, we see the effects of that all around us. And as believers in Jesus, we must be a people that commit to doing all that we can to support and promote the family unit, to build godly families to instill within our children godly principles so that when they grow up, they will be trained in it, and from that they will not depart. And this all takes energy and, and effort, and we are oftentimes facing a battle that seems to be an uphill battle. But today, on Mother's Day, I'm reminded of the appropriateness of this, this message, but not only that, the fact that Jesus is greater than anything that would face the family unit and you can be victorious in and through Jesus, even in the challenges that you and your family may be facing. Perhaps you're here today and you recognize, you say, yes, I'm tired. My family's going through a lot right now. I want you to know that there is hope in Jesus. Uh, for those of you that maybe are facing the launching of your kids, I've got to do something this summer. I've got to send a kid off to college. And man, my mind is totally blown and want to know where in the world did time go? And, uh, and, and is she prepared to face what challenges lie ahead of her? And, uh, and I just know this, that Jesus is greater than anything she will ever face. 
And so we draw hope this morning. And so I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 today. We're going to zoom in on the first four verses as we look at three keys to building godly families. I want to zero in today on raising godly children. And you may be here today and you may say, well, that phase for me has already come and gone. Yeah, but one day you, if not already, you will be a grandparent and you will have an influence upon your grandkids. And maybe you're here today and say, well, we're not yet uh, at that point in our, in our lives that we're, we're ready to have kids. Well, one day I pray that you will have kids and it is important to know this. And others of you are right in the throes of raising children And I want you to know that there is hope, there is keys, even in our day and time, to raising godly families. Now before we dive into the first four verses, let me give you a little bit of a background as to what's happening here in Ephesians chapter 6. Remember when Paul is writing the, the book of Ephesians, it's actually a letter. He did not subdivide it into chapters and verses that we have today. It was a letter written in in its entirety. And so chapter 6, especially the first part of chapter 6, fits in with what Paul started and what we now know as chapter 4. And in this section, chapters 4, 5, and 6, he outlines what is often referred to as the Christian codes. Christian codes are rules by which Paul urges Christians to live lives that reflect that of godliness. And he talks about then rules in general, how to have our relationships reflect the codes that we need to operate by, to have relationships that are healthy and reflect that which is is godly in our lives. Then he moves to the marriage relationship and what is the marriage codes. And then he moves to what is called the house codes in the first part of chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. So we're going to look at the house codes, how the family is to operate. Now, my challenge for you this week, if you're looking for something to read in your time this week, to spend time with the Lord, read chapters 4, 5, and 6 all together in a setting and read it multiple times throughout the week and see how these Christian codes operate in all aspects of the relationships within our lives. It's vitally important that we understand that. But with that background, let's move through quickly through these three keys to building a godly family. The first key to build a godly family, is to be rooted in the Lord, to be grounded, to be rooted, to be firmly planted in the Lord Jesus himself. It is vitally important that Christian uh, families find their foundation upon God's holy word. And that's exactly what Paul says. Look with me at verses 1 through 3 of Ephesians chapter 6. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. What is Paul doing here? He's quoting the fifth commandment. Fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother that you may live long and prosper. Paul is desiring the family to be rooted in what God rooted his holy family in, the nation of Israel, which is to be grounded in the Ten Commandments. More than that, all of Scripture builds upon the Ten Commandments. And so we are to be rooted in the Lord by being rooted in his word. This is extremely important. 
When Kathy and I knew that uh, Carson was on her way, we read many different books. <laughs> what to expect when you're expecting. We read the book Baby Wise, How to Raise a, baby, a Wise Baby, one that operates and sleeps whenever you need it too, right? And, and so we read all of these books. And the thing that we came to realize is that there are many different ideologies, many different philosophies to raising children. But there is one in which we need to build our family upon, and it is the timeless, proven Word of God. See, many families choose traditional values or maybe more modern values for their family. They choose to build their family upon biblical convictions or non-biblical worldviews. Some families choose to raise their children in a bubble versus exposing them to the totality of the world. There are families that allow their children to determine boundaries and to determine what is best for them while there are other families that seek to instill boundaries. My point is, is that there's many different approaches to raising children, to building godly homes. If you desire to be a follower of Jesus, to build your home, to reflect the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, there is but one place in which you should turn. It is the holy word of God. Even though our kids are not born with instruction manuals, God did not leave us alone in wondering how to raise families. And, and I think God's primary view is all of those different things may suit your family differently, but please don't neglect being rooted in God's words. Be founded upon him. This is why it's important. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he taught about the importance of being rooted and grounded upon the foundation of God's word. Beginning in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who has built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And verse uh, 26 continues, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who's built his house upon the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Notice something in Jesus' parable that both homes endured the same storms. Here's what I would tell you, families. Your family will not be exempt from experiencing the storms of life. I know when uh, Kathy and I's anniversary will be on May the 18th, and we'll celebrate 20 years. And in that 20 years, we have felt the storms of life. As we have raised godly kids or attempted to raise godly kids, my oldest being 18, we have felt the storms of life. And the truth of the matter is, is that regardless of whether or not your family desires to be rooted in the Word of God or not, you will face the same storms of life that everyone faces. That's because we live in a broken world. And broken things happen in a broken world. And you will experience the storms of life. The difference between the two families that built their home is the foundation by which they built upon. See, because when you face those trials, if your family is firmly rooted in the solid principles upon the rock of Jesus Christ, your home will endure even the harshest storms of life. 
And it's vitally important to be rooted in God's word. You know, something that is interesting about foundations is that quality foundations require a lot of work and attention. I know some of you work in in concrete and construction type businesses, and you understand the importance of getting the foundation right. And it takes a lot of time in order to get the foundation correct. There's the testing of the soil. Then the clearing of the soil, erosion control, leveling, excavation, all prior to even setting up the forms to then pour the slab on which to build a home. It seems like it takes forever for a foundation to be laid, and there's good reason for it, because if the foundation is off, then everything else will be off. And so it is true with us building our lives. We must get the foundation correct. Building a godly family on a firm foundation of biblical principles takes a lot of work, a lot of effort. It doesn't just happen, and it certainly doesn't happen overnight. Now, before you get discouraged, maybe you're here and saying, man, we sure missed uh, that. Uh, Man, I wish we had this teaching way back when we were raising kids and when they were young. Let me just tell you something. The, The good thing about building a godly family is that it is never too late to decide to build your family upon the rock of Jesus Christ. I remember when I was six years old, my parents determined, after having been out of church for years, they came to the realization, what are we doing with our kids from a foundational standpoint? What do we want them to build their lives upon? And I remember even at six years of age, every Sunday morning, man, we just hung out. We didn't even watch TV church to all of a sudden then being at church every single day. It was a defining moment in the life of my parents to say, listen, there needs to be a shift. Not that going to church is what's going to be the cure-all, but it was a spiritual, it was a reflection of a spiritual decision that my parents made to say, listen, we need to make sure that we build uh, our family upon the rock of Jesus Christ. And it is never too late, families, to return to that And so I want to give you some practical ways on how you can build a strong biblical family that is rooted in the Lord. Three ways to root your family in the Lord. And I want to take our cues again from Scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. I'm going to read all of it together, and then I'm going to pick it apart just briefly and give you three tools on how to root your family in the Lord. Verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be upon your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes." You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Three ways to root your family in the Lord. Number one, talk about God a lot. Talk about God a lot. It is God's desire, based upon that passage in Deuteronomy, that command, that you talk about him to your children and that you talk about him often. Find a reason to talk about God. Let me give you some simple ways on how you can talk about God each and every day and constantly in your family. Find a reason. Isn't it awesome how God has provided for us? I prayed for something this week and God heard my prayer and answered it. 
Thank you, God, for providing this meal for me and my family. Look at creation, y'all. Isn't it amazing what God has done? There are many opportunities each and every day that are presented to us where we can talk about God even to our children and in our families. Number two, display God's word. In Deuteronomy, God says to bind his word as a sign. In other words, display it in your home. He even tells us where to do that. Put it on your hand. Maybe you want to get a little uh, silicone bracelet that is a scripture verse on it that reminds you and your family about being rooted in God's word. Put it in the places that you see often. One thing that my daughter is good at is she places Bible verses on sticky notes on her mirror every morning when she gets ready, she reads it. On the back of her phone is a Bible verse so that she sees it. On her wallpaper, on her phone, the Lord knows kids look at their phone more than anything else today. She sees scripture verses. And so what's she doing? She's keeping them as the frontlets of her eyes. Post them in your house, over your door, so forth and so on. When we keep the Lord's commands before us, we are constantly reminded of who he is and God's desire for us to pursue him. How to be rooted in the Lord, talk about God a lot. Display his word. Number three, redeem the mundane. The passage in Deuteronomy urges us to talk about God's commands when we are doing ordinary, mundane things. He says, when you sit, talk about it. When you walk, talk about it. When you go to bed, talk about it. When you wake up, talk about them. In other words, redeem the mundane parts of life the everyday life, and leverage them for foundation-building opportunities. Now, uh, these families that participated in family dedication, we did a class last Wednesday, and, and I shared with them the majority of my failures. Uh, but let me just show you one place where I feel like maybe the Lord worked in my heart and, and I did something right. It may be the only thing that I did right in my entire parenting career. I, I was convicted that I need to redeem the mundane, and here's how I did that. On the way to school, I, I was realizing, I've got this time. It's only five to seven minutes uh, that it takes for me to, to load the kids up in the, in the van and get them to school in the morning. That was my job when they were little. And, and on the way, I started uh, just sharing a, a verse. Let me tell you about a verse or what God is prompting upon my heart. It wasn't anything great and excellent. Listen, I think one of the reasons why families fail to even talk about God is because they feel like they've got to do it like a preacher does it. It's got to be perfect. It doesn't. It was awful at times. And, and, and then it got to be this thing where our kids called it the Bible Minute. And I would share, and then, and then they did this jingle. They created their own jingle. And when I was at the end, they said, are you done? I said, I'm done. And they would say, and that's the Bible Minute, right? And then we would shoo them out the door, right? But it was just a small opportunity, just one way in which I desired to root my family in the Word of God. Redeem the mundane. These are ways to be rooted in the Lord. That's the first key. The second key is to commit to Christ-like leadership. Commit to Christ-like leadership. Look at me, with me at verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 6. Paul says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Paul 
talks about parents in the first three verses. Then he turns his attention to fathers. Now that word that is translated as fathers can also be translated as parents. But based upon the context and the time in which Paul is writing, it's probably most accurately translated as fathers. See, in first century Greco-Roman culture, fathers had legal control of their children from the time that they were seven years of age. And it often resulted in harsh treatment, especially that of girls. In that day and time, fathers, when the kid turns seven, could legally disown and kick the kid out. This is the, this is the power that the father had in the home in the Greco-Roman world. So when Paul is saying, children, obey your parents, but fathers, don't provoke your kids. It's extremely important in this day and time. But I do think that Paul still keeps both parents in mind. Mom, dad, do not provoke your children to anger. The urging here is don't be provocative. Don't give them a reason to be angry. There are many things that provoke children to anger. Being overbearing, showing favoritism, setting unrealistic expectations, withholding praise, never sacrificing for them, pushing them into adulthood too soon, harsh punishment, attempting to live your life through them, and even verbal abuse. These are all things that we see in our culture today. But I want you to notice something. Jesus, even though he was oftentimes irritated at his disciples and their lack of getting it, he never did those things. He never provoked his disciples. Instead, he leveraged them as corrective opportunities. I remember when our kids were real little, we were going to go visit my grandparents' grave in the cemetery, and they had never been to a cemetery before. And what they saw was this, this open field. This is fun. Right? We could play baseball, and we could throw baseball, we could throw football, and they were running all over the place. And I had to call it time, well, time out, time out. And I got down on their level on my knee, and I said, hey, listen, boys, come here, come here. Come here. In, a, in a cemetery, you don't run around like that. This is, this is called respecting people's graves. See, they didn't know. I could have beat them for that, right? I could have been like, what do you think you're doing? But they didn't know. It was an opportunity to leverage correction. And so I think that that's the idea of what Paul is getting at here. Don't provoke them, but you better teach them. Parents, in a day and time when our kids are surrounded by pressures, what they need is support, encouragement, good teaching, and boundaries. Let me give you a practical way to do this. Catch your kids doing something good. If you have adult kids, catch your kids doing something good and tell them about it. It's vitally important. Why? Because what gets rewarded gets repeated. What gets rewarded gets repeated. And so catch your kids doing something good. Find a reason to praise them. So what are the keys to building a godly family? Number one, be rooted in God's word. Number two, commit to Christ-like leadership. Thirdly, be intentional. Be intentional. Look again at verse four of Ephesians six. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but instead bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The phrase, bring them up, demonstrates intentionality. You've got to be intentional to bring them up the way the Lord desires. And it is also this final phrase of four that gives us two ways on how we are to be intentional. Discipline and instruction. Discipline and instruction. Let's first look at discipline. 
The word for discipline here can be translated as training, to train oneself. See, we often confuse discipline with what? Punishment. But what Paul is calling us to here is intentionally training our children to live the way Jesus wants them to live. That's what discipline means. Now, when we live outside the bounds of what God has for us, there are consequences, right? And our children should experience consequences. And sometimes the consequences for not living according to God's ways is extremely painful. And so certainly discipline involves punishment, but the main purpose of it is not to punish the child, it's to train them up. It's to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Discipline must be the vehicle by which we navigate our children towards God's best for them. The second way we are intentional with our children is instruction. And notice that Paul adds the phrase of the Lord, instruction of the Lord. Our goal as parents, listen to me, our goal as parents and our goal as grandparents is not to get your kids to know about Jesus. Our goal as parents is to get them to know Jesus. There's a huge difference. We can talk to them all we want about who Jesus is, but if they don't know him, then we have failed him. We've failed them. Our goal is to get them to know Jesus. And here's the key. Being intentional requires the marrying of discipline and instruction. Discipline says that's not acceptable. Instruction says here's what God has for you. And it takes both. It's not one or the other. It's both and. Do you see the intentionality behind discipline and instruction? Now, I think it's vitally important to say here at this point that the ability for a parent to do this well, discipline and instruction, must be something that we ourselves are committed to. In other words, we can't pass on to our children that which we are not committed to ourselves. That's called hypocrisy. That's called do as I say, not as I do. One commentary I read this week said it this way. Children are asked to give back only that which their parents give them, respect and love within the framework of their commitment to Christ. Listen, yes, children, obey your parents. But parents, if you're not obeying the Lord, you're going to lose the respect of your children. If your life isn't being modeled what you preach, you're going to lose the respect of your children. And you're going to provoke them into something different. Mom, dad, please know that what affects the child the most is not standards for perfection. What affects the child the most is not nagging for improvement. It's not even wards and incentives. What impacts the child the most is an example for them to follow. And so be that example. A parent that is one way on Sunday and another way on Monday will do more harm than they will ever do Good. And listen, let me just take a load off here. I don't believe for one minute that our children are looking for a perfect role model. You know why? Because no such thing exists. No such thing as a perfect role model. You and I will never be the perfect parent. It's a myth. But we can be one that openly navigates our relationship with Jesus, that often repents and demonstrates to them what it means to live by conviction 
hey guys, listen, I messed up. I'm gonna pursue this way instead. That teaches them a lesson that will serve them for the rest of their lives. Don't be a perfect parent, be an authentic parent that is changed by a relationship with Jesus. Three keys to building a godly family, be rooted in the Lord, commit to Christ-like leadership, and number three, be intentional about it. You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you. Please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 or email us at info at trinitytx.org. If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online. Simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.